will be reading Luke 24, 13 through 35, and I'll be reading from the ESV. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if, as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Amen. All right, all right. Thank you so much, Luna, for your, for your excitement. I, I hope that even right now that you feel as alive and as uh, ecstatic. <laughs> but uh, thank you for that beautiful prayer and amazing uh, scripture reading. When you open your Instagram and you start scrolling, what kind of posts do you see on your feed? If you were to open my Instagram, I'd say the top three things that you'll see are Christian quotes, number two, sports, everything about the NBA in particular, and three, guess what it is? Food, right? I like to type in matjips in Instagram, and I like to go to these different places that people post on Instagram. Um, last week, I was scrolling through my Instagram, and I saw this matjip, and I was like, oh, wow, this looks really good. It was tejigarbi, 
right? Korean barbecue. And with the sides came ganjang gejang and yangyeom gejang. It came with both marinated crabs. And I was like, no way. This Korean barbecue comes with these sides. And then after that, it comes with uh, like a seafood denjang jjigae. It looked amazing. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, wow. I, like, I have to try this. So um, I suggested it to a couple of my friends. And me and two of my friends, yesterday we went for lunch. And I was so excited. I was like, no way. How can it be for this price? So we go. You guys are probably wondering where this is, right? We go, and I'm so excited. We get there, and it comes out, and we start eating. And guess what? I was really, really disappointed. I was really, really disappointed. <laughs> I expected this to be amazing, like the creamy kejang. You know what I mean? Like the size of just like, it's like so meaty. That's what I expected. But it was all like, it tasted weird. Like I, t- I had two bites and I stopped and I was sorely disappointed. And it was nothing like what I saw on Instagram. Uh, did not meet my expectations. And uh, maybe you've experienced something like that. Maybe you've experienced some kind of hype beast hyping up. <laughs> A certain kind of food, but when you get there, it does not meet your expectations. Some of my friends are laughing right now because I was that hype beast, and they were disappointed. Disappointment is something that all of us experience all the time. Disappointment and unmet expectations. Whether it's, you know, sometimes we order food, and you're so hungry, and you open your food, and then... Oh, what the, the fries are missing, right? You get disappointed or someone keeps making promises to you and you're supposed to meet up with them. They keep rain checking you and then rain checking you and then you just end up being disappointed. There's so many moments in our lives where we experience this kind of disappointment. But on a more, on a more serious note, I have a question. Have you ever experienced disappointment toward God? Have you ever experienced disappointment toward God? Empty promises and unmet expectations in life after maybe you thought you heard God's voice right. Maybe you made a life decision or you moved somewhere or you took a certain job or you went, you made some kind of decision inquiring of the Lord as Jacob preached. And then you thought to yourself, did I hear right? Did I hear God's voice right? This isn't how it was supposed to be. God, why did you lead me here? I've experienced a lot of disappointment toward God. And, you know, life here in Korea as an expat Uh, One of the most difficult things about it is um, some of your close friends leaving. I've had a lot of painful experiences with a lot of close friends leaving. Loneliness a lot of times seems very tangible. And when ministry even, to be honest, when ministry becomes smaller and smaller and on the outside, I'm not seeing what I want to see 
I feel lost at times. And these are the moments that I begin to question. I begin to feel disappointed. And I start telling myself, man, this is not what I expected. Not what I expected. There's a verse, a pretty sad verse, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred, when you're let down again and again and again, it makes the heart sick. It makes the heart very cold. When all these unmet expectations start stacking up and we begin to experience disappointment more and more, our hearts become cold and calloused and even guarded more and more. Without even noticing, pessimism starts sinking in. Cynicism starts sinking in. Our attitude starts to change and unbelief begins to start taking over our hearts. And then on top of that, maybe we experience frustration because we try to experience intimacy with God with this state of being. And we don't feel the connection. We feel that our heart is maybe sick because of these life experiences. Have you ever experienced that? Here in this passage that Luna read for us in Luke chapter 24, we see two men, one named Cleopas, the other person's name is unknown. And these two guys, they are walking home to a place called Emmaus. They are on the road to Emmaus and they are feeling utterly dejected. They are so disappointed and they are very sad. What is going on here? On the way to Emmaus from Jerusalem, they're going from Jerusalem and they're going seven miles north to Emmaus. They were two Jewish men that were going back home after spending some time in Jerusalem. Why were they in Jerusalem in the first place? What were they visiting for? Well, it was during this time where these guys, these Jewish men, they go to the motherland, Jerusalem, every year during Passover to partake in the Passover, a ceremonial feast. Passover. Once a time, it's a time where they get together with the people of God and they take some time to remember what God did for them and remembering the Exodus account. They probably did what you call a cedar, which is a Jewish ceremonial feast. They would take this feast and they would take time to remember these symbolic elements of this feast to basically remember the time when a lamb was slain and the blood was painted on the doorposts of their homes. And then death would literally pass over their house. Mercy was shown and they would remember this, the time of how God delivered them from slavery. God delivered them from Egypt. This is what these two guys came to Jerusalem for. 
But guess what? This time around, it was a little bit different. Actually, very different this time around. This time around when they came to Jerusalem, this was a time when they encountered the talk of the town. This time when they came for Passover, the highly anticipated day had finally come. This man named Jesus had entered the scene. You see, these guys, as Jews, they were expecting Jesus to come as what? As their Messiah, as their deliverer. Deliverer from what? For years and years and years, the Jewish people had been oppressed and controlled by the Roman government. And they were waiting for a day after studying the Jewish scriptures, studying the Old Testament, they would hold on to these promises, these prophecies, that there would be a king, a messiah, from the line of David that would come to rule and reign and to deliver them from their oppressors. Finally, could this be the man? So this time around, when they had come up to Jerusalem, they saw this man that had been prophesied about. They witnessed miracle after miracle. They heard these amazing teachings about the kingdom of God. And they had seen Jesus' heart as He would reach out to the least of these. Finally, the anticipated day had finally come. Their hopes were so high. It was a Passover never to forget. But then something happens. Remember I said a hope deferred makes the heart grow cold. They slowly began to see their hopes and dreams being crushed. Literally on a cross. They saw that their hope of deliverance, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King of the Jews, He had been mocked and nailed to the cross and he had been murdered, along with their hopes and dreams. Even their own people, even the own Jewish people had contributed to his death. And they're thinking, what is going on? It says in the Bible that these two men, guess what? They were with the eleven disciples. Not twelve. Judas had already betrayed and hanged himself. They were with the eleven disciples. After Jesus had been crucified. And guess what happens? The three women that witnessed Jesus' resurrection. They witnessed the empty tomb. They ran back to the eleven along with other disciples. With such excitement. And they said, guys, Jesus is alive. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. It's true what the scriptures say. You would expect them to be excited. But it says in scripture that they just took this as an idle tale. Meaning they thought these women were crazy. They did not believe in the resurrection. Their hopes were so high. And all of a sudden their hopes were so shot. To the point when they hear this miracle being delivered to them. 
They don't even believe it. One end of the spectrum to the other. Easter had happened, but Easter hadn't impacted them. Like many of us today and many times, we know Easter has happened. But has Easter really impacted us? Has the resurrection of Christ impacted our lives? To these guys, it didn't. So there, there it is. These two guys from that place, they're walking back home and they're having this discussion. They're having this conversation. They're discussing now a conspiracy theory about Jesus. They start asking themselves, did he really rise? Were those women right? Did Jesus really literally resurrect from the dead? Was his, or was his body stolen? I heard somewhere from some article saying that his body was actually stolen. That he didn't rise from the grave. Is that true? Were those three women crazy? Was he, was this Jesus? Was he really the Messiah that we had been hoping for? Is this the right guy? Why did our own people conspire against this man? Who was this man, actually? They start having this conversation. Confused, dejected, and sad. A walk of disappointment back home. And brothers and sisters, today I want to invite all of us. Let's walk with these two men through this passage. And see what we can learn here. I want to share three observations in this passage Three observations of the actions of Jesus here that we can learn from. The first action I see of Jesus is this. Jesus drew near and he walked with them. Jesus drew near and he walked with these two men. These two guys, they're having this discussion. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus shows up. He sticks his head and he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? And it says in verse 16, that when Jesus shows up, the resurrected Jesus, the talk of the town, remember? When he shows up to these guys, hey, what are you guys talking about? It says here in scripture, it's not that they didn't notice that it was Jesus, but it says specifically, verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Isn't that so interesting? Very different than how Jesus encountered Saul on Damascus Road. On Damascus Road, Jesus encountered him. It says, the scales fell off of their eyes and they saw Jesus. But here on Emmaus Road, the scales don't fall off their eyes. The scales come upon their eyes. And they were kept from recognizing Jesus. Why? You know, I believe that, you know, the scripture doesn't actually literally say exactly why. But I believe that the reason why Jesus covered their eyes from being able to recognize it was him. Maybe it's because Jesus no longer wanted them to see Jesus the way that they saw Jesus. Maybe he wanted to blind them 
from seeing him the way that they have been seeing Jesus. And maybe he wanted to open their eyes later on to the truthful way of how they wanted him to see Jesus. Maybe, maybe he just wanted the process to continue. What I mean by this is this. What would happen if they actually recognized Jesus immediately? If Jesus stuck his head in, boom, I'm here guys. What are you guys talking about? And then they're like, oh my, it's Jesus, you're alive. I think they would, I think they would be like, let's, let's go back. Let's go back to Jerusalem. Show everyone that you are alive. You are resurrected. Let's go back. You're healed. You're here to rule and reign, right? You are our king, the king of the Jews. Let's go back and let's topple this empire and do what you came to do. I think that's what would have happened. But that was not Jesus' plan. Perhaps that's why Jesus prevented them from recognizing him in that moment. Maybe he wanted to just walk with them. Maybe he wanted to just hear from them. Maybe he had a different program or a different plan in mind here. Here, Jesus asks these probing questions. Hey, what are you, what are you guys talking about? He notices that they're sad. Why are you guys so sad? And even questions like, you know, what happened? What, 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 actually, what, what happened? Why are you guys so sad? These are questions that sounds much like a counselor would ask. Jesus, the counselor, who walks with these two dejected men and starts asking these probing questions to get out of their hearts what's really there. They vent, these two guys. They externally process with Jesus. Notice here. They externally process with one another. And then, after that, they externally process with Jesus. There's something there. I believe, church, that for us, when we're going through times of confusion, and we're going through times of dejection, brother and sister, we need to externally process with one another. And maybe some of us already do that. But furthermore, how about externally processing with Jesus after externally processing with one another? And these two guys, they tell Jesus, are you serious? Like, you don't know what's going on? Where have you been? Have you been living under a, a rock? It's viral right now. Did you not check your Instagram? How do you not know what's going on? Of course Jesus knew what was going on. It's not like he didn't know. I want to cover what did these two guys, Cleopas and his friend, what did they actually already know? Let's keep in mind, you know, in the rest of in the passage we read, a couple of things I want to point out. They knew Jesus. They knew his name and they knew where he was from, Nazareth. They knew that he was a prophet. They called him a prophet. 
They knew that he was mighty in deed and in word. As in, they knew that he performed miracles. They knew he preached amazing sermons. They knew he promised to redeem Israel. They knew that he was a prophet, but that he was also the Messiah to deliver his people. They knew that he was crucified. They knew that he was resurrected. Everything that we know, right? They knew everything that we believers know, but they were dejected. Here it is. Why were they so sad? Why were they so sad? At the end of the day, their sadness was rooted in misunderstanding and ignorance. Misunderstanding and ignorance. They misunderstood and did not have a complete understanding of the Old Testament prophecies. They didn't know their Bibles completely. They had an incomplete understanding of who Jesus was. Why? They misunderstood because either they were ignorant of the scriptures, they didn't know what the scriptures said completely, or their own desires and their own agendas prevented them from seeing scripture as a whole. This is really important. A lot of times... We believers, we can experience unmet expectations. We can experience frustration in life. We can experience being disappointed at God because we don't understand the scriptures. We can experience these times of confusion when we don't have the right theology. Sometimes we approach the Bible as let me find perhaps maybe let me find a verse that i need to apply in my life today which is great but if we don't have a fully surrendered heart and a submission to the bible you know what happens we begin to be blind to the scriptures that we don't want to apply in our lives and we begin to post up on instagram the scriptures that do speak to us that we want to hear These guys, they knew the Old Testament, but not completely. Often, because of our limited perspective, we feel as if God let us down. We thought that He would do something, but He didn't do it. We thought that we were trusting in the promises of His Word, but they didn't come true the way that we expected. We thought that we were praying in line with His will, but He didn't answer the way that we thought He would answer. God didn't come through as we had hoped. You see, for these guys, they saw Jesus... In a very limited way. They only saw Jesus as a deliverer of their own people. 
But Jesus was so much more than that. When we study the Old Testament, when you study the Bible, there's so much there. There's so much there. So first thing we see Jesus do, he, he drew near. He walked with these two dejected guys and he just listened. He asked these probing questions. He walked with them in their pain. The second thing we notice here is Jesus teaches them the scriptures. Jesus himself, the best Bible expositor there is probably, he himself teaches them the scriptures. He gently rebukes them. Okay, okay. And he calls them slow-hearted, it said. They understand some of the scriptures, but they don't understand the way that he wants to fulfill them. Hmm. Jesus then teaches them important things to give them a different perspective than what they already have. He helped them zoom out of their own world, zoom out of their narrow-mindedness, and he began to teach them his perspective. All It says in verse 25, they, they were slow-hearted and not understanding all that the prophets had spoken. Here's what happened. They had overlooked the prophecies about the Messiah having to suffer. You know, many Jews at that time, that was the problem. They saw the Messiah as only a conquering redeemer. But they didn't see the Messiah as a suffering servant. Even today in, in some synagogues, I've heard it said that many Jews still do not read Isaiah chapter 53, which talks all about the suffering servant. They couldn't have it in their paradigm that this king would come to deliver them, but he would have to suffer. It's there in the Old Testament. It's there as the prophet said it. But again, the hearts only chose to see the conquering part. Hmm. Jesus says here to these two guys, Guys, I know you guys want me to rule and reign right now. To deliver you guys from this literal oppression from Rome. But you don't understand. You don't get it. I had to die. I had to suffer. This is part of the plan, brothers and sisters. This is part of of the plan. It was necessary, he says. It was necessary for him to die on the cross as our sinless substitute for our sin to fulfill every prophecy so that we can experience him in glory. It was necessary. And then it says in verse 27, beginning, I wish I was there with them, guys. I so wish I was there on the Emmaus road with these two guys, hearing this teaching from Jesus for hours and hours. Verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so the Torah, the Old Testament, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What does this mean? Whether we can see it or not, or comprehend it or not, 
Jesus Christ in some way is portrayed in every Old Testament book. The Bible is all about Jesus. The Old Testament is all centered on Jesus. I wish I was there. But I'm going to get some help from Pastor Tim Keller. (laughs) And I love how he typed this. It's a little long, but I'm going to read this. Here's a just a nutshell version, probably of what Jesus taught, but so much more rich. Tim Keller says this, Jesus, he talks about Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience, obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel who through innocently slain has blood that cries out for our acquittal, not our condemnation. Jesus is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave the comfortable and familiar and go out into the world to create a new people of God. Jesus is a true and better Isaac who was not just offered up by his father on the mount but was truly sacrificed for us all. Jesus is a true and better Jacob who wrestled with God and took the blow of justice we deserved so that we, like Jacob, receive only the wounds of grace to wake us up and discipline us. Jesus is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his power to save them. Jesus is a true and better Moses, who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord who mediates a new covenant. Jesus is the true and better rock of Moses, who struck by the rod of God's justice, now gives us water in the desert. Jesus is the true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his stupid friends. Tim Keller said that. Jesus is the true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. Jesus is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. Jesus is a true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm, So we could be brought in. I'll stop right there. Can you imagine Jesus teaching this? Revealing himself to these two guys. I'm right there. I'm right there. Well, he didn't reveal himself. He says, Jesus is right there. Jesus is right there. You know, for us, we live on the other side of the cross. As in, as Christians... Of course we know that Jesus is the Messiah who died on the cross and resurrected. But here's how it it applies to us. Remember that the scriptures prophesy of his suffering and death in the Old Testament. But for us, we must know that the scriptures also prophesy of Jesus' second coming and of the end times. For the Jewish people of the time, for these two men, I said they didn't have a complete understanding 
of Scripture. They were set up for disappointment and confusion. But for us on this side of the cross, guess what? The same applies. Scripture not only talks about His death and resurrection, Scripture also prophesies of His second coming and what will happen before He comes back. That is what we need to learn from Jesus as well. The main problem here is a lack of understanding of biblical prophecy. They had a narrow-minded view of Jesus. Watch what happens after Jesus gives this intense Bible study. They arrive home. They get to Emmaus. And Jesus does something interesting. He goes, all right, guys. That was a nice conversation. See you guys. I'm going to go now. It says right there in Scripture, he acted like he was just going further. He acted. He was like, see you guys. Come on, come on, invite me in, 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 invite me in. And there it is. They're like, no, don't go. Don't go. Please come in. Please come in and stay with us. And guess what? They weren't just being polite. You got to get this. They weren't just being polite. They weren't inviting him in because it was the right thing to do. It was nighttime. They were inviting him in because they were hungry for more. So he comes in. Why does he do that? He acted as, he acted as if he were going further. Why? Why did he do that? Brothers and sisters... Jesus wanted a response from them. He wants to be desired. He wants to be sought after. And a lot of times, more often than not, I'll speak for myself, when Jesus says, come on, invite me in. Come on, invite me in. I let him keep walking. I let him keep walking. I don't show that I want more. I let him keep walking. After even, here we see that they have received the greatest Bible study that they've ever received. They have probably heard the greatest sermon that they have ever heard. And after that, they're like, if they were like, Oh, that's enough. That was good. That was great. That was a great sermon. That was a great time in the Bible. That was a great study of the Word. It's time to go home now. See you, Jesus. Man. What would it look like if our hearts desired His presence more after a Bible study? You know, I believe that true revelation... True revelation of Scripture, it begets a longing for intimacy and fellowship. I know this is a very convicting thing to say. But to be honest, a lot of times as a pastor, I study the Bible and I gain more knowledge. But I walk away when Jesus is like, can we spend time together now? And I let him keep walking. 
I let him keep walking. What if our hearts were to cry out? I want more. Please stay with us. I don't want to move on from here. I want this road to go longer. This road of pain and confusion all of a sudden turned into a road of revelation. And all of a sudden, their perspective changed. And they want more of Jesus. So the first thing, Jesus walks with them in their pain. Second thing, Jesus teaches them the scriptures. And here's a third thing. I love this. Jesus breaks bread with them. Jesus breaks bread with them. Those two guys, they get a grip of Jesus' heart and say, come in. We got to hear more of this. Verse 30 and 31 says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and he broke it and gave it to them. They're eating. And their eyes were opened right there. It says, their eyes were open and they recognized him. They recognized who was before them in the breaking of the bread. In other words, they feasted and they had communion together. And finally, God opened their eyes to finally see Jesus in the right way. To finally see Jesus after they had learned everything about Jesus in Scripture. There's a difference right there. That's why Jesus didn't reveal himself from the beginning of the journey. Otherwise, like I said, maybe they would have gone back and said, Come on, Jesus, prove them that they're wrong. Let's rule and reign now with the kingdom of Jerusalem. But no, Jesus had other, other plans. Their eyes opened. They ate together with him. Maybe when Jesus was breaking the bread, maybe they saw the scars in his hands. Maybe they saw, this is Jesus. We don't know. First, we see here that they learned about Jesus. Now we see here, through fellowship, they had now experienced Jesus. And then, here's a mystery. Right when they realized, boom, he vanished. He disappeared. Where, where'd he go? Oh my, it's Jesus. We've been walking with you the whole time. Then boom, they're gone. What, where, where did he go? Where did he go? Why? Here's the answer. I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. Why did he vanish? I have a theory, and I'll get to that. But it says here that after he disappeared, those two guys, they looked at each other. You know what they said? Man, when that guy, when Jesus was revealing scripture to us, when he was teaching us, did you feel that? Did you feel that burning in your heart? And the other guy's like, I felt that. You felt that too? My heart was burning when he was feeding us. Did you feel that? The burning of the heart. In Ephesians 1.17 it says, 
You might have heard this prayer. I pray that God, that through His Spirit, He would open the eyes of our hearts, that we would be able to see Him, enlighten our hearts. That is called revelation. Revelation in Greek is apokalyptos. It's called revelation. It means uncovering. What was covered in the heart was uncovered. And they began to have revelation of Jesus. Burning of the heart. This is a stirring up of the heart. This is a rising up of passion. This is where they were fully convinced of the truth. This is where longing and hunger happens. This is where mind to heart transformation was taking place. It's like what Jeremiah says. His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like fire in my bones. There was such strong conviction. From the beginning of their journey, they were hopeless and dejected. At the end of their journey, now they're on fire for the Lord. They're on fire to the point where they not only just hear a good sermon and post a good quote about it or it ends in a journal. They're on fire to the point where they do something. And you know what they do? You know what happens when revelation happens? I can't help it, but I have to invite others to what I'm eating right now. I have to invite others to this feast. So they disappear. Jesus disappears. But they're not like, where, where did he disappear? They disappear, and then they're like, oh my, this new perspective that I, we just got, we got to tell people. What do they do? They go back to Jerusalem. They go back to Jerusalem. And you know where they go to? They go towards the 11 disciples who are hiding, who are fearful, who are hopeless, who feel dejected, who are confused. And these two disciples, they go back to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're like, guys... What those three women said about Jesus being alive, I know we knew that. But we know that. He is alive. He just showed up. And He didn't just show up. He renewed our minds. He gave us a new perspective. And then they are encouraging. They are testifying. If you guys were here right now, I would say, can we say testify? <laughs> testify. They experience God. And they go back and they testify of the risen Jesus. Easter became real to them. Brothers and sisters, your encounter with Jesus must be shared. Your experience with God in the scriptures must be shared. There are people in the body of Christ that need to hear it. I pray that we would be a church of testimony. What would it look like, brothers and sisters, in this season where we got on that road to Emmaus with Jesus? Where we processed our hurts? Where we processed our pain? Where we externally processed with one another and inquired of the Lord together? What if we went to scripture together 
And we, we got revealed to this truth, gave us perspective to why things are happening right now. What if we broke bread with Jesus together and we experienced him to the point where our hearts burned and that we have to share? Susie, Jacob, Somyong, Brian, I, I have to share this. I have to share this. Jesus showed me this in scripture. And I testify of the risen king. Who knows if one of them needed to hear it? Who knows if one of them were like the 11 disciples, discouraged and needing that word. Have you ever experienced something so good you had to share it? Have you ever experienced that? Pauline does it all the time with my cooking. I'm just joking. (laughs) Joking. I wish for our community to share like this. To be able to say, I know we have heard about this. I know we know about the resurrection. But this is for real. I just experienced the resurrected Jesus. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about it. You see, what happens here is the word I'd like to say to us, church, is this. The application is simple. Walk with Jesus, learn with Jesus, and break bread with Jesus. When I say walk with Him, I'm saying be real with Him, just like those two guys were. Externally process with Jesus, as if He's asking you, what's going on? Why are you feeling that way? Let him be your counselor. Let him listen and empathize with your sadness. Let it out. And after you let it out, take it in. Learn from him. Take in his truth. Don't let our sadness and hurt draw us away from scripture. Let our sadness and confusion draw us toward his scriptures gain his perspective know the overall themes learn about the end times learn about Jesus' second coming in the Old Testament learn about these things and let's not be set up for disappointment and third is break bread have fellowship with Jesus we need to learn how to linger in his goodness Linger in His goodness. Remember His goodness. Remember the body broken. Enjoy His presence. Seek His heart. After a program, after you ingest and and see and consume the Word. Don't let Jesus move on. Don't let Jesus move on. Talk with Him. And then the last application is this. When you do this, here's the challenge. Church, walk with others. Learn scripture together and break bread with others. You see this model 
this Emmaus Road model here. And why I say this is this. Later on, when the early church was birthed, Acts 2.42, guess what the early church did? It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You see that the church exemplified and lived this. A model of discipleship. Can I ask the praise team to come up? I feel like in this time, when unfavorable circumstances are happening, such as COVID, you know, I've gone through my share of wrestling, and I process with some of my friends, and to be honest, I go back and forth. At first, I'm on fire. I'm like, God, I envision what New Philly is going to look like. I envision what my life is going to look like here in Korea. And right now, I'll just tell you the truth. It's not what I expected. It's totally different from what I expected. But as I read this passage, I know. And when I pressed into understanding God's faithfulness and God's providence I know that God is still giving me his perspective that he's making things not about me but he's making things about him some of us we feel spiritually dry some of us in this season we feel spiritually dry and there's a reason why maybe it's a circumstance maybe it's a hope deferred that has made our hearts feel so cold let me just give you guys a couple minutes actually just from where you are why don't you just close your eyes here in this room and even at home and I want to invite and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I'd like us to ask the question, God, if you are feeling spiritually dry, why is my heart like this right now? Do I have pessimism? Do I have unbelief? My heart feels so far from being burning for you. I don't know why your heart may feel like this, but I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to gently reveal why. So why don't you take some time right now to process with Jesus. Just begin to externalize and share your circumstances and your struggles. Why don't we do that right now for a little bit?